while ago we was coming to church and we come through a couple little rainstorms for, for a few minutes there. And uh, I had looked at the radar before we left home, so I knew that it wasn't very far through the other side. It made me think, I'm sorry if I speak for just a minute here, but it made me think of a few years ago I was on my way home in my company truck. I was headed to Clanton back then, and, and um, just about Pelham started a heavy rainstorm. And it got heavier and worse till we got down there to Alabaster. It was hailing. And it was black and dark, and you could not see very far in front of you. And people were pulled off on the side of the road. Some even stopped in the middle of the road. You kind of had to dodge them. But I kept going. I didn't stop. And we got to that overpass there where Highway 31 crosses the I-65 at Alabaster. It was so black you couldn't see the other side of that overpass. But I kept going, and I went through. I got through the underpass. About 200 feet was clear. And it wasn't raining and it wasn't storming. And all those people that had quit and was sitting back there in the storm and their cars getting beat with the hail and everything. And God showed me that night, that day, he said, you don't stop in the middle of the storm. You keep going and you keep moving because I'm going to see you through. You don't stop and you don't give up. As I kneel in the darkness in the middle of the night, I'm praying for assurance.
have that name, the name of Jesus, which is above everything, all power and rule and dominion, that we just need to call on that name so many times in our lives. I remember one day I was in my office, and I was getting ready to treat this patient, and I gave him an injection, and he went unconscious on me, and his blood pressure dropped, and all I had was the name of Jesus. All I needed was the name of Jesus, and I spoke that name over him, and he revived. God brought him back. So it's a powerful name, and we have the privilege of using that name that he's given us. Never underestimate the power of 
the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Ecclesiastes, if they come forward at this time. Brother Roy, would you play that offering? But this time we'll let our children go to the evening children's church. That's right, he's excited. You got to be like that. That's what God says. Amen. Thank you. Yes. We all we always have to pray for the workers. Amen. Amen. Let's give a warm welcome to pastors who come. Thanks for coming back. How about that? Uh, excited to see everybody here tonight. Excited just uh, about getting to get into the Word again and talk with you and share with you. Um, just a reminder, those things that are coming up, um, we did get part of our media back up. So good job, guys, in the back. We got some up. We didn't get some backgrounds up, but there's other stuff going on, and they're, they're, they, they, um, they have uh, been troopers, troopers, uh, to help us and do everything they could to make it possible. Uh, for uh, me and Wayne and others to do what we try to do up here. We need all the help we can get, don't we, Wayne? Amen. So uh, we are, uh, we're grateful for what all they do. There won't be scripture tonight. I didn't know that the slides were going to be working, so I didn't, I didn't send them to them. So that's okay. There's only 3,500, so uh, um, <laughs> they appreciate it probably. I bet. Uh, I'm gonna, I am going to jump into a big passage in Matthew 18. It'll be something we look at in just a moment. If you've got your Bible and you want to go there, uh, you can. We're going we're gonna to spend a little time tonight. Look, I, I think that, so I'll talk about this towards the end, but I'm going to sort of open with it too. I think one of the things that we've done as a church is we've made, we've made um, the challenge of telling our story or what we like to use through the years uh, in the past, for years it was witnessing. Okay, just stay with me for a little bit. So like when I got saved, it was witnessing. You need to witness. Then there was this transition happened in language. So language, to me, language is uh, very important. 
not meaning in the sense that I don't need to use bad language. I'm talking about language in the way we're trying to communicate a thought and the way we form that thought and how we uh, deliver that thought through words, through discussion. Um, so I, I, I want to talk a little bit about that in the process of getting us to the point that we're in today uh, in the telling of our story, which is a form of language, by the way. I'm, dis I'm talking about you about the same thing that when I was came into the church and got saved and all, it was witnessing. Then it went. Then it there was another there was another form of language that came out in between that that called evangelism. Even though evangelism's always been what it's called, where we go out and we evangelize, we tell the story. So that's all evangelism is, and its def definition is telling the story of Jesus to the world. Okay. Um, our fellowship has been a great fellowship because it's been centered around evangelism. Um, the Assemblies of God has always made evangelism a priority, and it's um, done it through making missions a priority. Uh, and so because we have stayed focused on our primary objective, which is telling the story, go out and tell people about Jesus all over the world, we've been able to survive a lot of stuff as a fellowship. There's been uh, uh, difficult times early. There was difficult times through a period uh, probably, I don't know, I'm thinking back 70s, 80s, um, where some great leaders were impacted that could have affected our fellowship. But through it all, we kept, we kept a very missional focus, reaching people with the gospel. So I say all that to say tonight that doesn't change for us because we use a different language. It doesn't change at the core of who we are, which is missions. We want to reach people, right? And so our outreach that we're going to do in, uh, on August 8th, the things that we'll do leading up into September when we have our big game day, all those things are not just about us. They're about the world that's around us. They're about the people that we know and the family that we have that might not be going to church anywhere. They're about the, 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 the neighbors that we have and the people we see in the curb store that works behind the counter that we get an opportunity to speak to every day. Some of y'all are, I, I, I mean, some of y'all do the same thing pretty regular. You go in the same store pretty regular. You see the same person pretty regular, you know. Uh, and I, I'm not making fun of you. I, I just want to get to that life. I, I'm trying to get to there. But remodeling the house, doing this, doing other bits, I, I find it hard to go to the same store. And, you know, I, I'm learning the girl's name at Huddle House because <laughs> I'm there on Wednesdays. <laughs> That's the most consistent thing I think I'm doing, you know. Eight o'clock on Wednesdays, any guy wants to come, you're invited. We're going to eat at the Huddle House. And, boy, we've had six, eight guys that are coming. So I, you're invited. Every guy here, you're welcome to come. Uh, you, know, we will, you know, you can eat with us. We're, we, we will we will promise you that we are there for one reason. That's to clean our plates. <laughs> Beyond that, who knows what's going to happen. So you, we welcome you on Wednesdays. Um, so the language that I'm going to use today is a simpler language. It is the same language that we've been talking about the whole time, but it's I want to I talk with you about telling your story tonight. I want you to see it in Scripture. I want you to see that there's, there's these things that happen in Scripture that make and set up this idea that we're called to tell our story. And, and I'm going to use a current day thought with you. I'm going to talk about Facebook right quick. And if I told you that you were sitting on your Facebook, if you have it, 
and you were scrolling through, or you were on another social media platform of some type, or you happened to be reading a paper, which very few do anymore. <laughs> Uh, but if you were looking at it and suddenly you came across a story where someone had been forgiven a debt of $8 million, you would think, hmm, that's interesting. And you would probably pause long enough to read it to try to just sort of get the gist of it, you know. I mean, it would tweak a little bit of interest in the majority of it. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd say that that one probably would tweak our interest more than coming across one where someone had been forgiven $3,000. $8 million, folks, $8 million. Um, and I say that because according to Jesus, that's exactly the, 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 the gap between where God, as our Father, forgave and we ourselves are called on to forgive. It's found in the parable of the unforgiving servant. If you're reading the scripture, if you've got it open there, you'd see that the master chose to overlook this enormous debt. If you go back and match the numbers, they say in current day currency, it would be $8 million to $3,000. That was the gap between what was forgiven. Um, it starts off in verse 21 of Matthew 18. I'm going to read it to you. It's going to go through 35. I'm going to read the whole section to you, and then we'll have some discussion on it. When, verse 21, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No. Not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it, I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. What a powerful transaction right there. A moment where he is about to be sold into slavery. He's about to have his wife and children sold also. No way was it going to come close to covering the amount of money that was owed. But it was a punishment that was just in its day. And yet because he got down and he pleaded and there was a sincerity that the, this master thought, this guy who hurt him, Gosh, could we take a second and think about this? How many times have we had been around and seen people that we thought, uh, I don't know if that's real or not. Y'all looking at me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't know. This guy had to have had that. He had to have been at a point as an as, as a owner of all this and had to, I mean, he had loaned millions to a servant. So he was in pretty good shape to be able to do the things he was doing. And this is just one of the many that were coming. And for him to reach this moment that when he saw him and he heard him and he, he sent something that he thought was different in him, it says that he released him and forgave his debt. Verse 28. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll, I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his, creditor, but, but his creditor wouldn't wait. 
He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full, which, by the way, does never make any sense to me. I mean, how's he going to pay that back if he's in prison? Come on, folks. Come on. Or is that not the case with us that whenever we take in a grudge or, or something that we get it so deep in us that we become the prisoner of it and the other person is just free, scot-free? Oh, I could preach right there, but I'm going to go on. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who, had for, who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Again, doesn't make any sense, but anyway. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So this is a story about forgiveness. No question about it. No question about it. It's a story about forgiveness. It's a story about what happens to us or in us and the sincerity of it and, and the impact of it in relationship with, to God, the master, the one that we call Lord, the one that we call uh, uh, almighty and and the relationship we have with each other and the point of the parable was pretty simple god overlooked our wrongdoing through christ and the cross so that's the whole point of the message god takes the the work that jesus has done and he uses that we deserve justice and what would just justice be justice would be you owe you pay justice would be you owe you pay but God, with this amazing generosity of spirit, says, you owe I pay. So that's the picture here. That's what the master is saying right here in forgiving like he did. And so you're going, well, how are you going to get to telling our story? I'll get there in just a second. We're called in our dealings with other people and with those that we come in contact with, to follow the example of God in his dealings with us. I'm supposed to do unto others as he has done unto me, right? And so, so we don't have the luxury of exacting payment for wrongs done. We're called to forgive, not because we feel like it, not because all of a sudden I, I, have, a, I have a good day and I encounter this person. Uh, not because the other person deserves it. Nobody deserves what we have received from God through Christ Jesus. I mean, we, we, we are debtors for life. But because it's how God dealt with us. If I deal with others the way, I, the way he's dealt with me, then I can get to this point to where that I do what a Christian should do. Where I'm walking in that kind of relationship and that kind of mindset, okay? So Paul sums up this life of faith when he writes, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ in Romans 13. That's why I want you to hear this. You know I like to split words, so I'm going to split a word for you. We, in fact, represent Jesus everywhere we, we go. We represent Jesus everywhere we go. So we're going to split the word represent. We represent Jesus everywhere we go. We're called to represent Christ when we go to work in the morning. We're called to represent Christ when I get to go get my hair cut at some point this week. We're called to represent Jesus when we're sitting at the Hull House on Wednesday morning and not do like Roy and complain about how cold it is in there and ask 
asks for an overcoat when he's ordering three eggs and bacon. We're called to represent Jesus. And, and, and so, so what I'm saying here is, what I want to try to do tonight is I want to attempt to answer a question that seems to be a pretty common thing. How do you, how do, how do you become a spiritual friend? How do, how do I get to the point that I can tell my story? Because that's what a spiritual friend does. They tell their story. They, they, they share what God has done for them and in them and through them. God's called us. God's called us to make friends. There's no question about that. We're in an age where it's, it seems to be distant from us. Our houses no longer have front porches. Um, we get to choose whether or not we're going to follow or not. We can unfriend. We can block. We can hide. We can do all kinds of stuff. So, whenever I say, How do you become a spiritual friend? I'm not talking about what you're doing on Facebook, I'm, even though I just used some examples about it. I'm talking about how we get to a point in a relationship that what God has done for us becomes a centerpiece of that relationship. That's what a spiritual friend would work towards and what they would desire. God's called us to make friends, to be spiritual friends. And spiritual friends to me is kind of, I'm going to use an example here. It's kind, of, it's, 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 it's kind of us playing the role of a physician in the life of a person. Okay, and so I'm not a doctor, but I'm going to sort of explain this to you. Think about a physician who deals with a, with broke, with a broken limb, okay? We know that the physician doesn't actually heal the patient, right? We know the, the body is designed to heal, the, heal, heal itself. Uh, so the physician's job seems to be in its purest and simplest form to do this. Clean the wound, align the broken parts, and then give it rest. Get it cleaned up, align it, and then give it time. Give it time. Let, 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 the, let it do what it's designed to do. Let the body work. The doctor then, beyond that, his job is to create a safe, a clean environment, safe environment for it. So that's why a broken limb will have a cast on it or a sling on it or something to hold it in position because it needs a safe spot, a safe environment to, for healing to occur. And, and, and so whatever that looks like, the broken bone isn't healed by the doctor. The doctor isolates it, deals with the wound, and then lets time heal it. And so what I'm getting to is this, the body actually heals itself. What could happen when we start telling our story in the real world out there in an attempt to be a spiritual friend of those that we come in contact with? Well, I'm going to give you a couple things. Because I don't want this to be just all sunshine and roses. So I'm going to give you some real stuff. They're going to ask you, how do you know this stuff? Do you know there is a phrase... There's a study on how we know stuff. Um, epistemology. Epistemology. E-P-I-S-T-E-M-O-L-O-G-Y. Epistemology. It's the study of how we know stuff. Um, how do you know Jesus loves you? How do you know Jesus is real? How do you know Jesus died. There, there, I mean, these are all, I mean, if we talk and tell our story, there's going to be questions come. The fear that we have is that we won't have a way to answer that question. Yes, you do. I'll get to that. Hang on. 
But you and I need to understand, you need to know that when they start asking those questions, typically questions are one of two things, and most commonly they're the, the first of them is their defense mode, the defense mechanism. We begin to try to defend ourselves. We, we guard ourselves, and we get it. When we don't know how to respond, there's a defense mode, and, and, and it's their way of saying, convince me, show me, give me something. I want to I understand this. That's not a negative because part of that is a search for truth. And I told you all this morning, I think we all desire to be used by God. I think it's, bur- it's created in us, in the image of God in us, to be used by God. Even the worst of people would like to know that God loves them. Even if they don't understand God or don't even believe God, they want something extra, something more. They know there's something else out there. I've told you all the story, I think, of my Uncle Frank, who, to my knowledge, died an atheist. Shared with him a lot of times, after I, especially after I got saved. I didn't share with him prior to getting saved, but I did have conversations with him because I knew enough about the Bible, enough about Jesus to know that what he was thinking wasn't right. But he had read the Bible five times through, cover to cover, way more than I had ever even considered reading. And he thought it was a really great book. He actually lived on the drive that come into our house. And so I'd stop by there and see him and Aunt Mary, and they, uh, he would talk and t- want to talk to me, especially after I got called, saved and called in ministry, want to have a conversation with me. I stopped, had intelligent conversation, good conversation with him. But he never could come to terms with the idea that God was that he is he always will be he just couldn't grab that he couldn't under he he firmly believed that at death that it was no more he had that he was so convinced that there was nothing beyond this life and i show him scripture and talk with him and share with him he'd let me pray for him he wouldn't pray with me but i'd pray for him um Don't take the fight home. If people become defensive and you're sharing your story, don't take the fight home. It's not a fight. It's not a challenge. It's not to see who knows the most. Don't take that fight home. Uh, your job's not to stand there and say, Romans Road High. No. How do you, you want me to tell you Romans 6.23? I'll tell you what Romans Road is. Romans Road 6.23, for all of sin comes short of the glory of God. God, Romans Road tells me the way you sin is death, the gift of God's eternal life. Okay, what you got now? It's not a fight. It's not a battle over knowledge. We're talking about being a spiritual friend. We're talking about somebody who understands that they, they've got pain just like we had. And the, the, the difference is we found out that God really loves us and Jesus really did die to take care of that pain. Amen. And we have to give time for that. They're hurt. They're wounded. They're broken. Our job is just try to get it all cleaned up and set and give time to it. That we can figure out a way to, to secure it, make it safe, a safe environment that they can talk about the pain, they can talk about the struggle. Then we create that. We want to be that kind of friend. We want to create that kind of environment for them. Um, the, the best answer you have in any moment of your life in sharing the gospel is your personal story. Y'all heard me say this before. I'm saying it again. You'll hear me until I leave here tell you the best story is your own story. 
I mean, it ties in with Scripture. You can, you can learn all the Scripture you want, or you can not know the address and just give the foundation of what you believe about Scripture. But my thing is, your story is the best story you have. You say, you, you know what? I, I'm not all that Bible smart. And I'm not, I'm, I ain't going to seminary, got any kind of special training. But I know this, I was pretty messed up, and I was doing this, and I was doing that. And you can tell a little bit about your story. I encourage you to do this. Write your story. Make the first third about where you were and make the last two-thirds about where you are and where you're going. Get to where that you can talk about who you are and what you've gone through. You don't have to tell the gory details, but you can. anybody out there that you come in contact with that you're drawn to typically has a spirit that you've had. Like spirits attract. So they've been through something. They've gone through a struggle. They're not that much different than you. It doesn't matter what their clothing looks like. They're human. And we battle over sin. Over We struggle with the pain of life. And, and probably the majority have been raised like you in some form or fashion. Now, they may be, maybe if they're raised in different areas of the nation, it'd be a little different. But most in this area has been raised in those same type of environments and those same struggles that you've struggled with. That's why you can say, hey, I know. I, it, how does it go? I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Just give them the comparison in your life. Tell your story. Tell who he is and what he's done for you. I mean, they're going to want to know how you know that, and there is no, I've said it a million times, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. You know that you know why, because you know it's happened to you. You've experienced the freedom. You've experienced the peace. You've experienced the forgiveness. You can tell that. You can talk about that. You can share the peace that came over you, what Jesus has done in your life. Our mission is not to correct how people think, even though I think we think that. Our mission is not to correct how people think. Our mission is to love people. Right? I have to love them where they are. They may be messed up. I mean, you're not even sure they're cognizant of the conversation that you're having. But you love them. You try to be real to them. You try to share your story. You try to share who you are and what you found to be true. I, 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 I'll give you a quick thought. So when we talk about storytelling, the reality is you're doing one of two things. You're either in a moment, and we're going to call it in just a minute a supernatural moment. I'm going to talk to you about that. You're in a moment where God opens the door, and you can actually tell that they're at a point of decision that's a supernatural moment folks it's a supernatural moment and you're you're going to have two questions arise when that moment comes is this when i lead them to christ is this when i tell them about Jesus? tell them that they we can pray tell you'll 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 have that to surface or you'll go or is this just a moment i'm supposed to plant seed because one of two things is happening when you tell your story and you become a spiritual friend Either they're ready for a decision or they're open to have seed sown. Seed sown. Because you know that's what we are. We're seed sowers. We're seed sowers. Yes, we're harvesters, but we're seed sowers. You've got to plant the seed before the harvest can happen. It'd be good to know where they're, what seed's growing in them, too. It doesn't hurt saying, what's your experience? I mean, if we're talking spiritual life here, what's your experience? I mean, were you raised in church? Are you, 
Don't be surprised if they were a part of a monastery. Don't be shocked if they chose to be Muslim now. Don't be shocked by anything today. But listen to their story, and, and we're, we're going to get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. So we got, we got to, if we're going to answer the question, how do you become a spiritual friend, we've got to talk about storytelling in a little bit more detail. The challenge, so I'm going to talk to you. So, so I'm going to get to some more scripture here in just a minute and some more thought right at the end. But I want to give you a couple of thoughts because here's the thing. We're fixing to have a moment. Okay, we're fixing to have the community come to us. Not here, but at, at, at the community center. We're, gonna, we're, we're, we're asking the community, hey, come, come see us. Come join us. And there's people in the community come. They're, they're going to come. I keep talking about direct touch with a soft feel. I can tell you what that one's going to be. That's going to be a seed-sowing event. Now, there may be somebody actually comes that the door opens and spiritual moment happens. There's a supernatural moment. We get to share with them about Jesus, and you get to talk with them, and you can tell that they're open and prime. Hey, don't say, hang on, let me go get the pastor. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean that offensively. Just It's your moment. It's God's give you the moment. Tell them, listen, I can pray with you right now. And I think there's a, there's a, I'm encouraging you here, look for that moment. It could happen there. It could happen before then, telling people about, look, all a spiritual friend is is someone who's friend enough to notice the Spirit's activity. Amen? So look for that. Expect that. Be aware that this challenge that we have right now is to discover that. The challenge in storytelling is this. It's overcome the idea that we've got to tell, sell someone on our faith when we share our faith. That's the challenge. We've got to overcome this idea that I've got to sell this. How do I? Well, I'm, not, I'm not good at telling about Jesus. Oh, I've heard most of you talk about what the Lord has done in your life. It's a pretty interesting story. I heard Wayne stand right here and tell some, uh, some stories when he was playing. I mean, y'all saw a supernatural moment happen right here on this stage when he was telling about that, how God spoke to him in that. And how many of y'all know that there's people that Wayne will encounter and has already encountered that he works with that's been in some of those storms spiritually, and Wayne's had the opportunity to say, look, let me, let me just tell you, keep going. There's daylight. You're going to find it. Let me pray for you to find that. Let me stand with you. And so, so, what I'm saying is, is these are spiritual, this is, there's a spiritual activity that's going on when we tell our story. We don't, our job is not to try to enlist people. Our job is not to count how many we've brought in. Our job, how, how do I say this? We're not a pyramid structure around here. Okay. This, mm, most of y'all know what I'm I'm not going to call anything out real loud. I mean, the job's not to get five more signed up, and if you get them, you get more blessings. I'm stopping right there. Don't, don't encourage it. There's no exact method to witnessing. You are a witness. You represent Jesus wherever you go. So, so, at the base, there's no method. You tell your stories like the person standing on the corner holding a sign that says, vote for John Smith. 
and you stop and you think, awesome, I haven't heard about John Smith, and you pull over and you walk up and you say, tell me about John Smith, and they go, dude, I'm getting paid $250 to stand out here with this sign, I got no clue who he is. All, I, all I'm saying is a lot of people hold up the sign, but they don't know him. You know him. You have your story. You have your own story. You have to have your own story. We're in an age of relevance. It's, this is called the age of relevance. Everything has to be relevant. Every, oh, there can be no absolutes. The church is wrong for standing in the position that marriage is between a man and a woman, and it's absolute. It is, by the way. We can't, we can't have absolutes. We, they, oh gosh. They're trying to take the absolute reality that I'm a man, and Christine, you're a woman. You are a woman, absolutely. They're trying to take that away from us. They're trying to rob that from us. They the absolute of God then becomes dissolved. It becomes destroyed. The ultimate goal of all of it is to wipe away the absolute of who Jesus is. And what we have to understand, what we have to recognize is that in our age of relevance, in this age when everything has to be relevant, let culture play into your hands. Let culture play into your heads telling the impact that Jesus has had on your life. Tell the relevance of Christ in you, what he's done for you, how you feel today, what the change, the difference that he's made. Just take time to have that conversation, that discussion. Take time to share it. The challenge for us is, has he impacted us? How fresh is that? Are we a smoldering wick or are we on fire? Can we not have a conversation without having a conversation, without injecting in the conversation? How could God send you? <laughs> if telling your story is a new approach to sharing your faith, and I'm going to give you three practices right quick, okay? Here's three things you'll do whenever we're out there encountering the community. And this is much more teaching tonight. It's more like what I do on Wednesday night, but I... I felt like I was, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm felt urged to share this thought going into our, our August 8th, going towards it, moving towards it. And I didn't want to lose any more time um, in, in, in the thought and the process of it. And so that's why I'm doing this tonight. So number one, this, pra this is a practice you need to do in storytelling. It's a practice that's hard for me. Okay, you ready? The first practice in telling your story is this, listening. Listening. You say, well, if you're listening, you're not telling your story. The problem is I won't tell my story over what they're trying to tell me, and I need to listen. So, so I'm telling you, in my opinion, this is, this, this, this is where professional evangelism versus Personal witnessing finds the conflict, the, 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 the point of, of, of conflict and, and struggle, okay? Professional evangelism won't work in this culture. I'm just saying it. I mean, I know that there's people who practice evangelism. They go door to door, and there's people coming to Christ. But, but this culture, this culture, 
the culture of relevance, this age of relevance, this group, this culture that's coming up, this culture that's, that we're being seen created and formed around us right now, this culture needs personal witness. They need you to tell your story. It needs to be real to you. It needs to be something that happened to you. It needs to be that they can look at you and listen to you and believe that that's the truth and that you're telling it to them because you love them. Because love is the weapon of this battle that we're in. That's why I loved when I got here. And I've said it more times than we could count. Hey, what's our mission? Loving people. Why have we said that? We've said it enough that now when I say, what's our mission? You say it. You know it. You know you're supposed to love people. And when you go out there and you get run into that person that you don't love that much, you feel a little bad about it, don't you? Supposed to love them. Well, a little bad. I didn't say you felt real, real bad, Joyce. I said a little bad. I saw you looking down the ground, scratching your back of your head. I know what that signal is. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I love Joyce. Y'all know I love Joyce. I'm picking on her. Why does it work better in this culture? Why does, why does personal storytelling, personal witness, telling our story work better in this culture? You tell them your story, you listen to them, you love them without an agenda. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for you. That's what Jesus did for you. He didn't come with a personal evangelism. He came and he just told his story. He lived his story. He presented to us his life. In the end, we all know what that brought to us. That brought salvation to us, which brings us to this second thing, this second practice. It's still, I, I like to call it spiritual, a, a supernatural moment. we got to watch for the supernatural moments. What are the supernatural moments? They're the moments where God steps in. When he, you know, you'll run into people and you'll be having a conversation with them at work or something. I'm, I'm, everybody here has probably had this experience where you were in a moment, you were in a conversation, and all of a sudden you... You know, there's different ways to describe it. You got the bumps on your arm. The hair starts standing up. It's like, oh, something's coming alive. Ooh, that's, this, it's like something. Yeah, and it may not be all that. It may just be a word they say or a, or a look they give you or something happens. Something happens that suddenly you realize, boom, God's in this moment. God's here. God's doing something. God's trying to get through. And then we chicken out. We stop our story and we go find something to do. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. God, so here's your thought. God's speaking all the time. I think he is speaking and trying to communicate with us all the time. And under, it may be a little underneath the surface, but it's in the spirit realm. And so I think he's trying to speak to us and reveal himself to us all. God's always at work around you, the study uh, Blackerby does on on. Uh, uh, Knowing God. He's always at work around. He's always at work around. He's always doing something. There's always some kind of activity. So he's always speaking. It's a little under the surface, but he's always there. If you just listen for him. So we're not talking about spiritual, uh, supernatural moments. I'm talking about listening, not just to what they say, but listen to what he's saying. Give an ear to what he's saying. I shared with uh, Doug. I was with him Friday, and I talked with him and said, I, I think we... I think we got to go deeper in the spiritual giftings, okay? And I was sharing with him. I said, I, 
I think we not only need to teach some about it, but I'm fixing to put a panel together, and we're going to have on a Wednesday night, we're going to have them sit down, and we're going to talk about how we know God's telling us to tell someone something. How do you know that? How, how, do, how do I know that? How, 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 what, what if it's just me? Well, I mean, you know, we get scared, and we got, for some reason we think there's something wrong here, but, but God wants to speak through us. He wants to communicate through us. He wants to give a word to the people that we're in contact with. He can say something to someone that only he knows, and they know it, and he's just spoke to them. What happens when that happens? We go around going, yeah. Look what I did. No, no, we don't. We go, thank you, Lord. Again, you've shown yourself to be bigger and greater and more loving and more kind than I could ever be. Supernatural moments, little nudges, unknown thoughts, supernatural moments. You just got to step into them, though. I've been praying for courage for them. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to direct you into a prayer focus. I want the rest of, from now until the 8th of August, I want you to pray for courage. I want, us, I want us to be the most courageous people on the property, August 8th. Courage, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the willingness to love people that you can tell they weren't, they're not expecting it. Courage to talk to people that it's going to take something out of us. It's going to cost us something to have the conversation. Courage to... Do whatever's necessary to love the people that come on the ground. Courage. Let me keep moving. The last one's an invitation across the belief line. What do I mean by that? I will tell you something. I know it's hard to believe at times that there, these things sort of happen to us, but two questions are always going to surface every time you share your story. Two questions are always going to surface. And they're questions you're going to ask. They're not questions the other person. There's two, there's two questions you're going to ask. The first one is this. Is this the moment that I'm supposed to invite them across the belief line? So, so what I'm doing is I'm basically telling you there's this line. So there's a there's a... I'm not saying this is a wrong practice, okay, but there's this practice this day and time in the church to where that there is a belief that you can invite them to belong before they become. You may have heard the phrase. And, and this culture is very drawn to that, this, this culture that's happening around us. They're very drawn to the idea that I can come and participate in, in noble um, servant practices, something that makes them feel better about who they are and what, they, what their existence is on this earth, but never be called on to become a follower of Christ. A lot of churches practice this. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's a practice that they do. I don't have a problem with anybody coming. I don't have any problem with anybody coming along and joining our church or, or becoming a part of the church in the worship sets and everything. But I'm going to tell you, before you become a member, you need to have salvation experience. 
before you become a teacher, I feel like you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to know that. Uh, so, so I'm just saying, I'm just saying, used to, you always had to belong, become before you could belong. Uh, there's a move now to belong and then become. So I'm not saying either one or the exact science of what we're supposed to do. I'm just saying you need to know Jesus, and we need people to know that they know Jesus. We need to be a people who present the gospel, and we need to do it through our story. But I'm saying this because you're going to feel at times when you're sharing your story, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to feel it's, you're going to question, is this the moment? If it's a supernatural moment, you're going to sense it and know it. Or you're going to ask that question I shared a minute ago, or is this just me? I'm just sowing seed in this one. Don't base it off the circumstance. Don't base it off any of that. If, you're, if, you're, if you are telling your story, God will make clear what you're supposed to do. You'll know it. It, it, because if it's a supernatural moment, the door opens. It'll, I mean, it'll swing open. It won't be God kicking it open. It'll be them throwing it open, saying, I need God. I need something different. I have a close friend that has gone through a real crisis, and he's, uh, it's in his marriage, and there's a lot of story behind it, but um, he, he began to pursue God like no male human I've ever seen in my ministry, in my lifetime. This guy was consuming the word, believing God for a miracle, just all kinds of stuff going on. And then it was week after week he had encounters. One particular one, he was sent out on a job that he didn't want to do. It was a storming day, and he just didn't want to go and do this measurement to do this job. And he finally his boss, which was his father, said, you need to go do so-and-so. And so he knew it was coming, so he got his stuff, and he went, and he drove to the job site, and he got there, and the guy he was supposed to meet was waiting on him. So he goes up, and he jumps out and runs over, and he's like, I didn't want to do small talk. I want to get in. I want to get out. I want this to happen. I want to get it over with. I want to go home a little early. And he said, we walk over, and we get on the service elevator, and we start up. And the guy looks at me and says, man, I don't know why, but I feel like the Lord's telling me I'm supposed to talk to you and tell you my story. And he thought, oh, Jesus, what have I gotten into? And he said, the guy starts telling how his wife has left him, and there's this going on, this going on. And he said, this guy told me my story. In about five minutes, right there on that elevator. And he said, man, he went and measured everything, and he came back and got on the elevator, and the guy said, well, what do you think? What do I need to do? He asked him that, and he looked at him and said, well, man, I'm just going to be honest with you. And he said, I started telling my story. Boom, 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 date, time, all the things that were going on, what he was doing. And the guy looked at him and said, I'm glad you told me that because I felt earlier that I was supposed to tell you that God said, wait on me. <laughs> and he said, I just started weeping. And he said, this guy started weeping. And he said, we just grabbed shoulders and we started praying for each other. And he said, man, I've never felt or seen or experienced anything like that in my life. Yeah, but that happens with other people. It doesn't happen with me. <laughs> it's fixing to. 
because you're going to tell your story. You're going to walk in the spirit. You're going to be walking in the gifts. You're going to be believing God to speak through you. We're going to become a church that's, that's lit up when we're not in here. Not one that's only lit up when we're in here. Okay? So, I tell you that story because I want you to get this. It may be that it's a seed. Hey, all this guy's job was that day with this man was to plant a seed. He planted a seed. They talk almost every week now. They have conversations about where they are in the struggles that they're in. The other man's wife's come home. This person's hasn't. But, buddy, he is, he is standing on God's word. So let me throw a couple of thoughts out at you and then we'll move towards close. Is it enough just love people? Or do we need to give them the gospel? Do we really love them if we don't give them the gospel? And do we see that if there are supernatural moments out there, that God wants to put us in those moments so that we can, in turn, for him, be faithful to do what he's called us to do. How far do I go with my story? Um, for it to be evident I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. I mean, um, what, what, I'm going to tie this message in with this morning right quick, and I'm going to say this. What we're after as followers of Christ, what we're after is tell, in telling our stories is to get people to God's grace. That's what we're after. You, you and I, our job is to get people to God's grace. Get them to the cross. Get them to the grace of God. Get them to the place where you found peace, where you found help, where you found hope. Get them there. That's our job. So I'm going to close with these four things. I call them mistakes. I'm going to tell you four mistakes that I think we make uh, and that, that keep people from hearing the message in us, okay, and the story that we're trying to tell them, and then I'm going I'm to pray for us. The first one is this, always looking for results. Always looking for results. We went down to our hunting club um, the end of this week, and we fenced in some areas and some summer plots that we do, and they're, they're, it's, it's, um, it's a long story, but I won't give it to you, but... So inside the fence, which cannot keep a deer out, by the way, it's little straps that we put around it. But because you can put them in 3D, you, you can make them, you can make them, you can spread the, the two layers out, and deer are, are 2D. They're, 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 they, it affects them when they see the, the front lines and then the back line. It, it really makes them weird out, so they won't hardly cross it. So our beans in, in, in 10 days had grown from this high outside the fence to almost none outside the fence and inside the fence they're like this why am i telling you this because the i i think i think that when we think when we when we talk about our 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 our, our, our telling our story we always want something to happen i need something to happen i, I need i need to see some results god listen God is in control of that. 
You tell your story and let God take care of the results, okay? God is going to direct you on how to affect the seed, okay? That's why I tell you the story about the fence. God's going to show you things that will help you understand how to affect the seed, how to help it to grow, how to help it to produce. And if he wants you to do more, he'll direct you on how to do more. I think too often we sort of see ourselves like the greeters at Walmart. And we, what? Something made that noise. That reminds me of someone. Anyway, (laughs) if you see your job as getting people to buy into your belief in order to have your story, to have a story to tell, then you've missed the whole point. My job is not to, not to try to get people to buy into what I believe so that I can talk about them. My job is to get them to a point of the grace of God and to invite them over the line of belief, the line of where, they, where they're an unbeliever to a believer, the line that crosses over from a place of despair to hope. And so that's my job. That's your job. That's the only result we're looking for. And that might not happen in your story the first time. It may not happen over a week or two weeks, a month. It may take time. But don't, don't get caught up in looking for results immediately. Number two, we, we, we can be too defensive. Don't defend the gospel. The gospel doesn't need you defending it on the street. I, I'm just telling you. You say, oh, but I feel like. I know I've got this friend, and all they do is talk about how they hate church and 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 um, how, how much they 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 think preachers are all hypocrites. And um, um, I could go on. Um, I, and my point is this: our job is not to defend God. God doesn't need our defense. God God's pretty good at that Himself. I read a scripture to you where His anger crushes the the large boulders into tiny rocks. So. So God can take care of himself. Uh, God can, can work in somebody's life if we'll let him. So, so, so don't get defensive when you're telling a story. The third thing is don't have an agenda. I think we have a mindset too often of I'm going to straighten them out. I'm going to straighten them out. They are so confused. I'm going to show them in the scripture where I know that what they're doing is sin and they better change or they're going to burn in hell. I'm sorry, I'm just, I, I think it's a mindset. I think it's a struggle. I think it's a problem. I think it's wrong. Listen. There was an age when you could drive people towards the cross by preaching the message of hell and damnation. But I'm telling you what, I'm going to say this. <laughs> I wish stuff had come to me before I, so I could say no to it. Um, there was a day when we could drive them to the cross preaching hell and damnation. Most of them are living in hell and damnation, and they're making it right now. I'm just saying, there's people out there that you're going you're, you're to talk to them about there not being an, 
about there being an afterlife, they not only believe there's going to be an afterlife, but they believe the one who's in control of the afterlife is listening to them. And that, 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 he's influencing them. So they, you, listen, you can talk hell and damnation, but you better have something more powerful than hell and damnation. There's only one thing more powerful than hell and damnation, and that's the power of grace and, the, and its power to resurrect a lost and dead soul. And so grace is what we preach, even though I know that sin is, a pro, is the problem we're addressing. And so we got, look, I'm not, y'all figured out by now that I, I, don't, I don't only preach grace. I think that you got to work at this. But I'm telling you, the people that are lost don't need us to have an agenda. We need to understand Freud, I'm going to go to Freud and then the guy who trained him and raised him. I'll give you a couple thoughts. First, let me, let me, let me say, the scripture's pretty clear. It says, he who is without sin, let, it, let them cast the first, throw the first rock, pick up the first rock and chuck it. Freud made this statement. Freud said, at the deepest levels of who we are, we are sexual beings. His student that followed him, Carl Ewings, made this statement. It was an observation that ultimately he said. He said this, at the deepest level of who we are, we are spirit. So though he had been taught something, there was a part of him that believed there was something different than he had been taught. And he began to embrace it and try to understand it. So I say that to tell you, rather than working on the outer life of what we see on people, whether it's, you know, sexuality or whatever it is, I mean, we were sitting eating lunch today and somebody came in and I was like, wow, I wish I had her boots. I could, I could go deep in the woods with those. I mean, they were incredible. They had, late, they, had, they had buckles all the way up to the knee. They were incredible. I mean, they, they, were, they were way better than any army boots I ever seen. And I would actually be about this tall right now because of the heels that were on them. So I'm making fun, but I'm just saying, there's all kinds of people around us. We can't look at the outside. I'm just saying, you can't look at the outside. You've got to believe that there's something deep in that person that God wants to give you influence in. And, and that's our job with our story. Don't bring an agenda in. Bring in the grace of God. Bring in how you found grace and what it did to you. Last, I think we're bad at unspoken assumptions. I don't think we only get caught up in and, and, and always looking for results and being defensive and having an agenda. I think we have some real unspoken assumptions. I think we assume that when the person comes to fate, they're going to look just like we do. <laughs> Dress like us. Listen to the same music we listen to. Because now they're Christians. That's what we've made Christianity. Um, y'all know there's a lot of Christian music out there y'all haven't heard, right? <laughs> Don, y'all smiling at you, you know. Uh, 
Yeah, there's all kinds of Christian music out there. And they sing, I mean, they're singing about Jesus. I, I mean, I'm not sure I understand what they're saying, but they're singing about Jesus. Amen, Tanya? I mean, they are. They're singing about Jesus. Uh, and, and, and so all I'm saying is, is look, there's, listen, it, it, it might not fit our mold. It might not fit what we've got in mind, but I'm telling you, Jesus is in it. He's on it. He's reaching people. He's shaking the world right now. Listen, I've, I'm going to get to go for five days to our general council in Orlando, and I've gotten invited to three meals that I am so excited about. Global initiatives are doing it. They've invited us, invited me to come to see what's going on. It's because not just that I'm a pastor, but as an assistant missions director in the state, I get invited to this stuff. I can't wait to hear the stories about what's happening in the Muslim world right now and how God is just visiting them. I mean, just unbelievable things happening. Things that you just can't even imagine are going on as far as the, 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 the revelations that are coming and the visitations in, 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 in physical form these people are encountering with Christ himself, him showing up. And, and, and just, I mean, just on one thing on time, I can't assume anything anymore. If this is the last days and Jesus could come back tomorrow, come on. He can do it any way he wants to. He did it for years that way. He's doing it that way now. He's going to keep doing it that way. And so, so my job, my, my job in this area of unspoken assumptions is, is the belief line. So I saw, I'm going to close with this thought. We all at some point cross the belief line. We crossed over to believe that Jesus is the son of Yahweh. That Jesus was willing to take our sin, bear it in himself and on himself, take it to the cross with all the punishment that led up to it, and on that cross, to say, it is finished. So that today, I could get to this point at this line, and with a simple belief and a confession, and I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth, I could become a child of God. Can you remember that moment? Can you remember that moment? Because I'm not only praying for courage in us, I'm praying that we all have a fresh revelation of what happened to us and in us when Jesus first became real to us. And God saved us by his grace. I was thinking about it the other night before going to bed. And I laid there and I just, just got all choked up laying there thinking about how far from God I was. And how gracious he was and good he was to get me home. To hear my cry, to get me home.
and that all the things that he's done for me since that moment and all the things that he's done for me to get me to that moment. Look what the Lord has done, right? Isn't that your story? That's our story. This is different than mine. McKay's having an unbelievable story. I mean, not unbelievable. It's a supernatural moments story. Debbie and I feel like we've just got supernatural moments all through our lives. And, and part of what we do with that story is encourage pastors and their wives and when we get to talk with people and share with them, we get to tell all the things God's done and say, he hasn't left you alone. He's wanting to show himself to you. And that's what we're all after. Is getting to that moment where we realize life just stuck in. He's been there all the time. He just created the he just he just he just comes and creates that awareness of that moment. Alan, you're going to have an incredible story if you stay on the course there. God wants to show himself to you in a very powerful way. And part of that, pre part of that revelation is going to be the process he has you in, the steps you're taking right now, the ordered steps that he has you on. You stay on those steps. Amen. I just want every one of us to pray at the close right now and just to say to him, Lord, I'm giving you my story. And it's available for you to call on me anytime, McKellar, through this week. I'm going to be open and looking for that opportunity. Amen? And, and when it comes, Lord, we're going to be ready, right? Ready to start. It may be at home, it may be in the market, it may be at work, it may be on the phone. I just want us to be sensitive, amen? I want us to be ready. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you. It's very different tonight, Lord, but very, very, just there, I just sense your presence sitting on us right now, the Holy Spirit is your anointing sitting in this place on hearts, on lives, on stories. Lord, you want to anoint our story. You want to give us power to deliver it without fear, without reserve. And we know that part of that is the coupling of those two together with a vulnerability. Being vulnerable, being willing to tell the truth about where we were and how we came to God. We can't change the people. I can't fix people. It's not my call to fix people. I've tried it. It doesn't work. My call is to tell the story, lead people to the belief line, get them to a point that they wonder if it could happen for them. And then in that moment, a supernatural moment, to invite them 
can't force people. We're not in this to force anybody. We, we recognize as a Pentecostal church, the majority of what we see happen normally happens in the service. But God, we want to be more than that. Evangel wants to be a church for the community. We want our mission of loving people to affect our community at large, not just the community of faith. We want to reach people for the kingdom of God. There are enough people that have never heard the story of Jesus and that have walked away from the story of Jesus that this building won't hold them in multiple services on Sundays and Saturdays. We're not after building our kingdom. We're after building your kingdom. That's why in giving us this story, you've placed the responsibility on us to be sensitive to you telling us when to share our story to creating the moment and opportunity. So we yield ourselves to that, God. We yield our heart, our mind, our spirit, even our body to hear the voice of God, to hear you speak, to recognize the moment and to share, to step in and to tell our story. It could be as early as when we leave here and stop at the curb store, or it could be towards the end of this next week. God, you want to put someone in front of each and every one of us that we can tell them how good God is, and we're the proof of it. We know it personally because he's shown that goodness and grace to us. Because we were once lost, we've been found, we were blind, but now we have sight. We see as clear as we've ever seen the love of Jesus, the power of that love. Help us, God, to be that people. Help us to share our story. In Jesus' name we ask it. Stand with me. Just be still in the service for a moment. Right where you are, just worship him.
want you to join with me right now. I want us to pray over all these things. Father, we just unite our hearts. We unite our minds. We unite our spirits in this place, God. And we agree for what you want to do on August the 8th. We don't, we, we, it's not about our agenda. It's about your agenda. It's about your plan. It's about what you're wanting to do in lives and hearts and how you want to use our church and shoot us like an arrow into a target. The target is the hearts and lives of those who walk on the ground. And, the, and, and, and our job is to love them, is to present a hope of, of Christ, a, a message through our activity, through, through the very presentation of our lives in that setting, Lord. So I just pray for favor with that. I pray an anointing over this church and on this church and in the lives of this people. I pray when we walk on the grounds that you'll guide us and direct us in everything we do from the setup to the teardown and all the events in between. God, that you give us the way to speak things that are life and hope and that there are prophetic words, though they're not declared as it, they're prophetic words that go forth into people that brings freedom and brings deliverance and brings hope and brings change in them, God. Let us be a people led of the Spirit on that day, God. Meet every need leading up to it. Don't, we rebuke every hindering spirit in the name of Jesus. We bind every spirit to, that, that, that's been assigned to hinder in the name of Jesus. And we plead the blood of Christ over the event, over the planning, and over those who are processing it, and over those who will work to accomplish it, God. And over this church and over this community, God, we pray that there be a divine outpouring of your presence on that moment. And God, that in the, when we finish and walk away, that it will be something that, 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 that marks this community, God, that marks, that, that's a moment, a supernatural moment that marks this community and that gives us influence and favor into presenting Christ to this community. We believe for that, Lord. We won't quit there. We begin there in this community, and we pray for favor in that beginning. We claim it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hey, look. The other side of all what we talked about, you got friends, you got folks out there. Don't hesitate to invite as many as you want. And if you can get them there because we got popsicles, tell them about it. Amen. All right. Love one another. Yeah, hallelujah.